Hello and welcome to the May 1st, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It's good to have everybody here with me today. And, of course, it's wonderful to be out there with you. So the weather in Mr. Joe's neighborhood is definitely improving. And with that weather improvement usually comes along a attitude-slash-mood improvement with many of us with bipolar disorder, which is a good thing. Of course, we've spoken about in the past making sure that we don't slip into mania. And of course, we can't always control those mood swings, but we can be aware of the triggers and the things that ultimately cause or provoke those manic-like symptoms. And for me, I know that Spring slash summer is a very dangerous time for me, and it mostly relates to my memory. And what I mean by that is summertime, or the warm weather time, at least for Mr. Joe, was a time in which partying took a turn for the worse. This was the case throughout most of my adult life, although it does not really apply necessarily to my college life, because if I'm being perfectly honest, it didn't matter which season it was, <laughs> because it was, whether it was winter, spring, summer, or fall, Mr. Joe was drinking and doing drugs, a.k.a. smoking marijuana, at least five or six days a week. Now, as I got older and I graduated from college and I had to hold down a job throughout the course of a year, come the summertime, I would lighten up a little bit in terms of my workload and in terms of my responsibilities, although those responsibilities still remained, I didn't care so much about it because the sun was shining. And as the sun would shine, that would mean pop open a beer, find myself on the beach, uh, put my head underneath a towel so that the wind could not blow out the lighter that, of which I was using to light the pipe slash bowl as I smoked marijuana on the beach. And I would just stand there. I would stand there. A lot of times I recall standing there uh, basically on steroids, thinking who the hell I was, uh, worried about my body, worried about the way I was perceived, worried about the way that I looked worried about who liked my tattoos, who thought I was good-looking, and all of those things. And it didn't matter if I was involved with a woman. I was always searching, always searching. And again, this was because I was not medicated a lot of the times, and it would just throw me into a heightened state of mania where I just could care less about anything. And I would go on all day long, and I would I would come home, not even sleep, which... I found interesting thinking back because many of my friends, they would take that little nap before we went out and Mr. Joe didn't have to. He could just keep rolling along. So 
Again, does it bring back good memories? No, it certainly doesn't. I don't enjoy them. It actually brings me a little bit of anxiety now that I think about it because there's nothing about what I used to do that really uh, is near and dear to my heart. It's, it's something that many of us have gone through in our lives. And for me, I like to erase that part of my life because really I can't recall a single time in my life where alcohol led to anything positive. And that's the God's honest truth. And what it ended up causing was side effects for the most part. Side effects which were detrimental to everything that I did in life, whether it was waking up the next morning, whether it was going to work, taking back on those responsibilities, taking care of my family, taking care of my children, being a good husband. Many times, if not most all of the time, drinking alcohol to the extent that I drank it would ultimately lead into a state of depression. And I recall a short period of my life where in order to combat that depression, I would use cocaine or opiates to fight that depression because that would lift me up and we call that self-medication. And we know that that does not last a whole long time. After a while, it gets relatively old and either stops working or just does so much damage in our life that there's really no coming back from it. So I consider myself very lucky to still be here. Uh, one thing I have not reported on as we talk about side effects of certain medications and alcohol and drugs, something I haven't reported on in a, quite some time is my Suboxone. And I don't want to move away from that, but at the same time, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time because I would imagine the vast majority of my audience is not on Suboxone. Now, many of you with bipolar disorder are definitely former addicts or I, I shouldn't even use the word former because we are all addicts. Once we're an addict, we're always an addict, but maybe a former substance abuse user or a former alcoholics. Well, again, same, same concept. We're always alcoholics. A former drinker trying to stay relatively clean and sober. So most of us have been down that road. Whether it be, and for me, it was usually mania that set me into that state of mind where I wanted to do drugs. I never wanted to do drugs when I was depressed. I never had the energy to do anything when I was depressed, let alone do drugs. Um, it was interesting because while I got excited to take drugs when I was manic, it scared the living hell out of me when I was depressed. And uh, so that was the way I functioned. But again, I don't want to spend too much time on my Suboxone. I'm actually thinking about posting a Twitter or a tweet. And again, Mr. Bipolar Joe is my handle. And I'm thinking about posting a tweet just, just to show everybody where I am at. Because I'm actually amazed at it in terms of my tapering. The dosage that I am on now, I would not even be able to tell you from a milligram standpoint where I'm at. We have now gotten to that level in which I have cut the Suboxone film so much that I could not even measure it. If I was to guess, ponder a guess, I'd say I'm about 0 0.10 in terms of my Suboxone usage. And let me tell you, that's a big, big thing because there was a time in my life I was taking eight milligrams a day. And to, to, could you just imagine? Um, I, I'm not good at math, but I think that's maybe a 
a tenth of what I was using, maybe even not. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. Probably sound like a complete moron in terms of figuring that out, but you figure it out. 0.10 of the typical dosage of Suboxone, which is 8 milligrams. Now, granted, some people go as high as 24 milligrams. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. I think that's something that the doctors have put into our heads to make us think that we need that amount to clean our lives up. But I got to tell you, Suboxone is a drug, one of the strongest drugs on earth. Stronger than methadone, without, a, without question. So the, the amount that we take should really be, and I've always said this, should be the least amount that we possibly need to prevent us from doing drugs. Now, with my most recent taper, which actually occurred on Sunday. And when I say taper, again, I cut it, I cut that eight milligram strip. I'm not even cutting an eight milligram strip anymore. I'm, I'm almost breaking the eight milligram strip into thirds. And then I work off those thirds and the thirds I break up into uh, eight pieces and I spread them out over the course of eight days. But even that third now, what I'll do is I'll stack those three pieces up and each and every time I cut a little bit off the three of them at the same time. So I just keep going down and down and down. But I will say this, in terms of, and I guess you could call it withdrawal slash side effects, this latest drop was probably, in terms of my withdrawal symptoms and the side effects of no longer taking the medication, was probably the worst it's been in some time. And I've been dealing with that over the course of the last three days. Now, I will say this. Thank goodness, thank God up above that I am not experiencing the depression like I did the first time around. It is not having an effect on my mental standpoint, mental capabilities, and I'm thankful for that. And there's only one reason why, and that is because I am tapering slowly. That's the only reason why. It allows my chemicals to stay relatively stable in my brain, but... Based on my last drop in Suboxone, I got to tell you, whoa, physical, oh my goodness. And the two that I'm suffering, well, the three actually that have really been the, the hardest for me to deal with has been my bowel movements. You know, when you're taking Suboxone, it more or less, it kind of tightens everything up and it prevents you from going. If anybody's used opiates in the past, you'll you'll notice that after you take them for a couple of days, you become incredibly constipated. Well, just imagine being on Suboxone, which is a daily dose of an opiate to some extent, and you are just basically constipated forever. And throw that in with my other two medications that cause constipation, Lamictal and Wellbutrin, at least for me, and you're talking about an absolute nightmare now. This cut in Suboxone over the last couple of days has more or less reversed that constipation. And I could tell you, just for an example, yesterday I had to do one of my uh, nonviolent crisis intervention trainings for a school district. And it was a rough go because before I actually arrived at that particular school, I believe I used the bathroom at home four times uh, in terms of bowel movements when I got there. To the school, I went another two times, and uh, could not wait to go until the end of that. I actually cut the training a little short, and I said, hey, "Everybody did a great job. You're all free to go." 
and cut it short because I had to go so badly. And that more or less went on throughout the the entire day up until the, I'd say, about 5 o'clock, and then it subsided. Another thing that's been very, very difficult is frequent urination for me. That has increased quite a bit, and it's always been pretty bad with the uh, the lamictal. I always had a, a difficult time with that, but again, Suboxone, it stops all your organs, I guess you can call it, from functioning it's you know opiates don't only affect the mind but that is a there is a reason why it affects all those things it works on your body in a way that no other medication can which is why it's really a pain reliever to some extent and it just basically blocks all those things from functioning on a normal level so when you cut a dose of of particularly suboxone well those things start to come back and with me they happen in excess. So frequent urination has been very, very difficult for me. And finally, and last but not least, has been the chills. And the best way I could describe that, think of a think of a movie. Think of somebody who was on drugs, heroin, and they're going through those um, initial, or um, the, the word is, uh, those initial, yeah, those initial withdrawals that instantly happen when you first stop taking the drug and again think of a movie somebody on the floor vomiting all over and, and using the bathroom and uh, defecating in a, in a way that they can't control and just basically f- the flu times a hundred well most of those people are usually shaking and shivering and that's because they're freezing because your body temperature is completely thrown off again when you start taking an opiate or suboxone it, it changes your body temperature. And I don't want to say it makes you hot, but it brings your level of temperature in, in a place where it normally would not be. So when you start to come off, everywhere you go, you're freezing. And it's not even just a cold, like I'm in the, in the dead of winter. It's a horrible, horrible feeling in which you just have no control. You're shivering and uh, it's, it's, it's very scary, and, and it probably was one of the worst symptoms that I had the first time around. That That is one that lasted a good 106 days for me. And I'm not sure if everybody heard what I just heard, but I did have my ringer on, on my recording device, so um, I had to stop recording. I apologize if you heard that, and if you didn't, we'll just keep going on as if nothing ever happened. <laughs> so that's some of what is going on. On, a, on another level, I guess I could say one final symptom, which has not been so bad, has been what I refer to as restless leg. You just kind of can't stop shaking that leg and moving that leg. That has not been so horrible. And what has been a nightmare throughout all of it, and I won't call it anything new, has been my sleeping patterns. Although I am sleeping better throughout the night, probably thanks to my Seroquel, I still am an early riser. My body is looking for that medication, and it kind of scares me because I wonder what it's going to be like when I finally come off. I would imagine that I'll wake up with a tremendous amount of anxiety as my body searches for that medicine. So anyway, it brings me to the side effects of medication and one other thing I wanted to mention and I've spoken about this a lot in terms of the side effects with clonopin I'll use that as an example and I only bring this up because I 
more or less bra- started bragging the other day of during the birthday party, the bipolar birthday party, of how I made it through the day without incident, and it was such a great day, and I had no stress and no anxiety, and it just kind of went along in a relatively positive manner. Well, there was a reason for that that I forgot about, and like everything else with my podcast, I want to be honest with everybody, and this was not omission, lying by omission. This was just me forgetting, probably because the after effects of this particular drug did not have its normal effect on me. I had to, I I actually did, I recall becoming a little bit anxious when my wife had left me and and went for the party and I was there with the three kids. Silly things get me anxious. I think about putting the baby in the car seat and I have two dogs that basically go absolutely insane when they know somebody is walking out. They don't want you to leave. So I got to manage three kids. I got to get to the party on time. I was thinking about my mother being there. So what I ended up doing was I took a clonopin, but my normal dosage of 0.50, I broke it in half, which obviously is, is a 0.25. And I have to tell you, and I've reported in the past on how clonopin has affected me the next day. In some instances, it's made me aggressive, made me depressed, just changed my entire mood. And I, there's no doubt that it was based on the clonopin. And I knew that by keeping track keeping a running record, and as I would look back on my mood swings, I would see, well, I took clonopin this day, and I was depressed the day after. Interestingly enough, that 0.25 worked very well for me. It worked. It kept me stable. It kept me uh, anxiety-free for the, for the entire day. As a matter of fact, I forgot that I even took it, and it had normal effects on me the day after. I didn't go into a depression. I was good. I didn't have any bounce back effect, which sometimes I will have. I'll I'll have anxiety the day after. None of that happened. So what I'm really trying to say is a lot of times with medication, especially benzos, you have to find and discover what works best for you. Not everybody is the same when it comes to medication. And I've talked about this before. We all have our own cocktails. We all have our own dosages that work for us. Some work better than others. Some, If that was the case, if it was not the case, everybody with bipolar disorder would be on the exact same regimen of medication. We'd all, and which, let me tell you something, that'd be a, a hell of a lot easier than what we all go through now because so many times we get on medication, it, things are going well, and then all of a sudden we realize four to six weeks in that it's just not right. Our symptoms return, sometimes our symptoms get worse, and it's almost like you got to kind of hit the reverse button, go all the way back to square one and start over again. And that can be somewhat frustrating. That is one thing with bipolar disorder that many of us have either gone through or will go through when it comes to medication. Now, that's not, that's not the same as going to a doctor because your regimen is the right cocktail and you need an adjustment. That happens to us, too. But that's okay. A lot of times, you know, things will happen. Again, seasonal change is a perfect example. Some people become a little bit more depressed in the winter. So maybe they got to go to their doctor and, and have a little bit of an alteration to their antidepressant and up them a little bit. 
now we've spoken about antidepressants and I use that as an example with bipolar disorder but we also know that many of the antidepressants out there are not are not something that we should be taking with bipolar disorder but that does not mean that it doesn't work for some remember most of the time if not all of the time with bipolar disorder we are taking a mood stabilizer for me that mood stabilizer as I continued to go up, my mood swings were still happening, so I had to keep going up in order to get them into in control, under control, but then I got to a point where I almost felt as if I was on too much, and it started to bring me down a little bit. For me, rather than go down and up, down and up on my lamictal, I decided to introduce, or at least my doctor and I decided to introduce another drug into my cocktail, which worked for me in the past, and that was Wellbutrin. And we've spoken a lot about Wellbutrin, or apparently not enough, because I did get actually an email question that I wanted to read to you, my audience, and this is basically what we're going to talk about and end with here on the podcast, and I'll, and I'll give it a quick read to you. And like anything else, I will always keep names anonymous unless you tell me that I can do so. And this particular writer or emailer did say that I could use his first name and the initial of his last name. And this email comes from Ronald W. And I don't know where Ronald W. is writing from. He did not tell me what part of the world he's writing from. But Ronald W. had this question for me. So he, wrote, he writes, Dear Mr. Joe, and I have my piece of paper in here. So if you hear, if you hear pieces of paper rattling, I printed it out from my email server and I have it on a piece of paper. Dear Mr. Joe, you've spoken a lot about Lamictal throughout your podcast. You recently mentioned starting Wellbutrin. I'm not sure if you have mentioned what form of Wellbutrin you are on. Is it XL or SR? I've heard many positive reviews about this antidepressant. However, like most medications, I am concerned with the side effects. Can you report on those side effects, if any at all? Thank you for your insight and honesty throughout your podcast. While this may sound like I'm exaggerating, you have ultimately bettered my life, if not saved it in more ways than you can imagine. Ronald W. Well, that was very nice, Ronald. I appreciate that, but I got to tell you, I am absolutely not saving your life. You are, you are saving your own. You are you are the reason as to why you are successful, the reason as to why you're making progress, things like this, reaching out, asking questions. Now, again, I'm not a doctor, but I am probably, if not, if not better than most doctors out there. And that, that does not just isolate me. That puts us all in the same category in terms of our experience with bipolar disorder Guys, we know better than those doctors for the most part. Their information that they're dictating to us in terms of side effects, in terms of what a medicine is going to make us hopefully feel like, those are all derived from a book. They take them from a manual. They take them from information that's written down from the manufacturer and they basically spit them out and read us to, to them, to us. And if they don't, it's as simple as getting your prescription from whatever pharmacy you use it, use whatever pharmacy you fill your medicine at, and you open that bag or attach that bag, stapled to that bag, is the medication and the list of side effects. 
So you can read it anytime you want. You could look it up on Google. Uh, you could learn about all the side effects. I urge you not to, to some extent, because I don't want people getting worried about what they might feel. Sometimes that does put stuff into our mind and we start to create those symptoms. I know I have in the past. So I urge you to try to let it run its course and just see what happens. But I know, again, that's not always easy, especially with bipolar disorder. So again, Ronald, thank you for the email, the kind words. I am not saving your life, but if I am helping in a small way, I appreciate it. You said so. It makes me very happy to hear that my podcasts are if not informative and entertaining, at least they are helping you to some some extent. But again, like every other medication, just to answer Ronald's question, each person is an individual. You cannot go by what the person next to you takes and the person that just walked out of the doctor's office takes. It's, It's up to the individual. But I will tell you this, in terms of, and I don't know if I did report on whether I was on XL or... SR Wellbutrin. I believe I have said it in the past, but I am on uh, XL. I'm on 150 milligrams of Wellbutrin XL. And just so everybody knows, Bupropion, and I believe that I'm saying that right, Bupropion is exactly what Wellbutrin is. That's the active ingredient in Wellbutrin. It doesn't matter if you're on XL or or SR, Bupropion is the active ingredient. It's not going to make a difference. And what I can tell you in terms of the differences, because I believe Ronald asked that. Let me just read back. Um, XL, I've heard many positive reviews. Uh, Yes, he did ask. Can you uh, mention... Well, I'll give it to you anyway. Um, XL stands for extended release. That is exactly what I'm on. The SR actually stands for sustained release. And I could tell you that reports indicate that the XL produces less side effects than the SR. And there's a reason for that. With the XL, it is, both medications are slowly released into the body. Uh, but again, it's, it's to a lesser extent as far as I know with the XL because that is released throughout a 24-hour time span, whereas the sustained release, it's released into the body within a 12-hour time frame, ultimately leading the Wellbutrin user into needing a dosage twice a day. Whereas with the XL... You could take that one time daily and it's released throughout the 24 hours a day. Again, side effects are basically the same, but they're a little bit more controlled when you're taking that once a day pill. However, with that all mentioned, both XL and SR, they're basically both controlled by time. Here's what I'll say. One of the biggest differences in terms of the XL and the XR is what I refer to as medication compliance. Now, I I urge everybody to get your medication in a pillbox, prepare it for the week, because that's what I do. Otherwise, you actually can forget to take your medication. For me, believe it or not, even as long as I've been taking this medication, not only do I have it in a pillbox or organized, I have an alarm that's set every single night for 7.50 p.m., just in case I forget my medication. 
Uh, I never forget it in the morning because I take with my uh, morning breakfast, I'm always taking vitamin D. That's one of the things I take in the morning. I do not take a multivitamin in the morning because it, it makes me nauseous no matter how much I eat. I need food in my body throughout the day. So in the morning, I take a vitamin D. I take my 100 milligrams of Lamictal, and I take my 150 XL of um, Wellbutrin. Why I need that reminder at night is because I take my vitamins at dinner time, uh, which is my multivitamin. By the way, I also take fish oil, uh, 1,200 milligrams, actually 2,400 in the morning and 2,400 at night. But I take those at night. It's not really at night. It's more or less around dinner time, between 6, about 6 o'clock at night, sometimes a little later, depending on my wife, when my wife gets home. So the, well, the lignol that I'm taking at nighttime, I'm not taking at the same time as my vitamins. So I do need that reminder. And there have been times where uh, my alarm has gone off, off and I said, oh my goodness, I haven't taken it. But what I refer to as medication compliance, and it's kind of common sense. Think about this. If you're on Wellbutrin XL, you only got to take that pill once a day, one time a day. If you're on the XR, you typically have to take that pill twice a day. One of the benefits of being on the XR is you can actually do a gradual increase. And what I mean by that is with the XR, rather than starting at the 150, 150 milligrams of the XL, you could start even lower. You could start at 100 milligrams on the XR. And I'd say after about four days, if you're not feeling something, you can gradually increase. So what it allows really, again, is the XR being in that smaller dose and taking it multiple times a day or twice a day, it allows you to gradually increase over time and kind of monitor the way that you're feeling a little bit more than the XL. Whereas with the XL, you're just popping that pill and it is what it is. So that, that to me, are the, uh, the major differences. Now, I can't report completely on the side effects in terms of what's easier. I just know with XL, they, rep they, they mention that there are minimal side effects as compared to the XR. For me, the side effects with Wellbutrin have absolutely been minimal. But here's the interesting thing. And again, I preface this by saying everybody has different side effects, so I don't want you reading too much into this. The interesting thing, even me as a person, I had very different side effects when starting this medication this time around as compared to the first time around that I took Wellbutrin. So even though I'm the same person and I've taken this medication before, they actually produce different side effects. So there are, are a number of things that contribute to the side effects of the medication that you're taking. For me, the first time around, I had a tremendous amount of anxiety when I first started taking the Wellbutrin. I will tell you this, this time around, zip, zero, none. No anxiety whatsoever for me, whether it was a placebo effect the first day or two, I had nothing at all. It made me feel better. It actually made me feel better, started working right away. It was almost like what my body was missing. And here I am on an extended period of time where I'm feeling relatively stable. About a week ago, I reported on nonstop depression. That depression is over. That depression is gone. 
And thankfully, even with my cut and suboxone, I have not an ounce of depression other than obviously the side effects of the physical stuff that we talked about in the beginning of the podcast. So I don't want to scare anybody because as I mentioned before, I'd rather people not even read about side effects. And because we are all individuals, side effects that affect me or 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 relate to me on the Wellbutrin usage may not be the same as you, but some of the things that you will read if you decide to open up the pamphlet on Wellbutrin, and guys, most of the medications will produce or have the same set of side effects. I can tell you this, Wellbutrin is going to say weight loss possibly or (laughs) weight gain. So, again, it all depends on the individual. No, no one that I have known people that have lost weight, people that have gained weight. For me, I think I'm putting on weight. I know a lot of people that say they lost weight because it speeded them up so much. Remember, this is a medication that's also used for smoking sensation. It allowed me to quit smoking. August 13th, 2011 was the last cigarette I ever had. And that was thanks to Wellbutrin. For me, it sped me up a little bit, caused a little bit of agitation as well that first time around, but it absolutely stopped me from smoking. Uh, because it sped me up a little bit that time around, I actually lost a little bit of weight when I first started. This time, I guess maybe because I'm feeling so good, I'm eating well, I'm eating a lot, I'm, I'm not working out yet, but my body feels healthy, and maybe it's just me thinking that I am gaining weight, but... I feel like I'm putting on a good amount of healthy weight. So, again, that could be different for everybody. Something that is always listed with Wellbutrin as a side effect in many of the medications that we take, muscle pains, sweating, a change in appetite, um, stomach pain, constipation, vomiting, nausea, headaches, insomnia, dry mouth. Now, I will tell you this. Last time, this time. Definitely dry mouth. Have that without a doubt. It's gotten a little bit better as it's gone on. Constipation, ho, ho, ho. First time around and this time around, without a doubt. Increased urination, absolutely. Has certainly happened and it's not any fun. Especially when you throw that on top of the lamictal, which for me causes frequent urination. That does not mean that you guys are going to have to take trips to the bathroom every, every 40 minutes like I do. Keep it in mind that we're all different. Something that I got last time and also this time that I haven't said yet. Ringing in the ears. That is something that happens to me. And sometimes it scares me a little bit. Not because it's such a devastating side effect, but because in the past, many times my psychosis... A warning sign that psychosis, psychosis was about to kick in would be ringing in my ears. So when I get that ringing feeling now with the Wellbutrin, I get a little nervous because I say, well, what am I going to start to see? Am I going to start to see squirrels and rabbits running around my uh, up and down my body or something? You know, um, I don't know why I use that as an example, but I would imagine that I had a psychotic episode at one point in my life where that happened. Um, so again, the ringing of the ears happens not frequently once in a blue moon. And thank goodness it does not result in any psychosis. It's nothing more than an annoyance really, but like everything else, we have to weigh the pros and the cons are the side effects that detrimental to you that it's just not worth taking the medication. 
You, you just can't, no matter how depressed you are, no matter how manic you are, you can't take this medication because the side effects are so devastating that it is impeding your, the way that you function in your daily life. That's not to say that bipolar disorder doesn't impede on your way of life, but you know what? What good is feeling not depressed or not manic when you are absolutely miserable from side effects of a medication. Nine times out of 10, if the side effects are that severe, they're going to instill those bipolar, side, bipolar symptoms in you anyway because you're so frustrated with the medication side effects. Not a bipolar medication, but when I was controlling cholesterol, which I would imagine, I, I'm hoping my cholesterol has leveled out. I have to go to a doctor and check that out. They started me on something called Crestor, and I got to tell you, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. It lowered my cholesterol, but it was so bad on my stomach, on my bones, my body, the aches and the pains and the nausea. I just couldn't live. It was not worth it to me, and I, I had to try something else, and ultimately nothing worked for me. There was no statin that worked for me, so I am off everything. And my cholesterol, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. But there was a time where my cholesterol was almost 800. You are supposed to be 200 or under. I was like 758. My triglycerides were over 1,100. You want those numbers, 150 or under. So now the last time I went to the doctor, they were not so bad. They were a little elevated. I think it was 248 with my cholesterol count. And I was right under the 150, about 138, which is good. So I'm hoping that has remained the same. But I've started a new medication in Welbutrin and Seroquel. So you never know. Um, although that's not listed side effects, they could affect the chemistry of your body. So <clears throat> one of the other things you've got to be very careful. This is a real side effect when it comes to Welbutrin. In higher dosages, and this more or less pertains to those that are taking Welbutrin, for seizure disorder, believe it or not, um, high, high dosages can actually result in seizures, which is a lot of times why us with bipolar disorder, we're capped out at around 200 milligrams because the higher dosages can result in seizures and our cognitive level of thinking, a lot of times the higher we go up, the worse it gets. Again, that happens with me. That is reported by a lot of users. That does not mean that it's going to happen with you. The one other thing, I don't think I've mentioned this, and it happened last time and it happened this time with me, is that strange taste in the mouth. I have, I, I, I don't want to call it a met metallic, well, yeah, it kind of is. It's like a metally kind of taste that I have in my mouth. What I can say, though, it was a heck of a lot worse last time than it is this time. This time it's more bearable. So, like everything else, like I've said probably 20 times already on this podcast, everybody is an individual. We're all different. Our medications will affect us in many different ways. But most importantly, we have to figure out whether or not we want to deal with those side effects just to make ourselves feel better. We don't want to be depressed and we don't want to be manic. We want to be right in the middle. So, I hope this... This podcast was somewhat educational to some extent, or maybe the word is informative for my listeners out there. I hope I taught you a little bit about what to expect with Wellbutrin, but more importantly, 
not so much Wellbutrin, just the, the fact that, again, uh, we, we want to make sure that um, we don't get too concerned with side effects. They're bound to happen. They are bound to happen. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this. I think I reported on this. Both times I had headaches. This time they went away after a day. <laughs> Last time that I took Wellbutrin, they lasted a good eight, nine, ten days. So, again, everybody's different. It does not matter. Um, it's what works for you. It's what cocktail is best for you. That's the most important thing. And the most important thing is for us to continue taking on medication and continue to work hard and make sure that we stabilize our moods uh, so that we remain safe. We want to be compliant. We want to listen to our doctors. And that will help us function normal, everyday lives. So in closing, I want to say this. I want to say if you are living with a mental illness, I need you to keep working hard and make sure that you continue to do well by working hard. If you love someone or care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that individual. And right now, if you are struggling, if you're struggling with a mental illness, I have no other words for you other than to keep fighting and to soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I'll be back in a few days. Everybody have a wonderful day. 